Hello, and welcome to Conundrum, a series of short stories written by John Lanyap, read by G.K. Enjoy. Book 19. I was checking out and she was checking in. Veronica and Albert met at the Starlight Lounge. It was disco night and everybody was dressed in their best 70s disco garb. Man, it was like a disco fashion show. From bell-bottom jeans to psychedelic miniskirts to platform shoes and leisure suits. The music was grooving and the dance floor was moving. Al was at the bar drinking a whiskey sour and checking out the ladies on the dance floor. His eyes kept finding their way over to this one babe who was shaking her groove thing better than every other chick on the floor. When the DJ put on a slow jam, Al asked the bartender what the chick was drinking and told him to make another of the same. Then he made his way over to the table where she was sitting. Al said, I couldn't help noticing you were running low on fuel, so I decided to make sure you had a refill. Hope you don't mind. She said, no, I don't mind. Hi, my name is Albert, he said. She said, hello, Albert, my name is Veronica. Are you by yourself, he asked. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to disrespect anybody. No, I'm not by myself, said Veronica. I'm with my two girlfriends. They're on the dance floor. Oh, well, that's different, said Al. In that case, may I have the next dance? You sure can, said Veronica. I'm tired of dancing with my girlfriends anyway. They laugh as they walk onto the dance floor. As the, as the night proceeds, he asks her for her phone number and she gave it to him. May I give you a call tomorrow, he said. That'll be nice, she said. Just make sure it's after 5 p.m. Got it, after five, he said. You and your friends have a safe drive home, he says. Good night. Albert Big Al Peters is a digger operator for the regional regional utility company for most of his workday, he and a three-man, one-woman crew go around setting utility poles in the ground. Jake Durden is the on-site supervisor. He follows a blueprint for the placement of each pole. He marks a spot on the ground where a pole is to be placed. Then, then Al drives next to the mark and sets up the digger, which he bores a hole for the poles. His knowledge and skill of this device makes him a valuable part of the crew. Veronica Mason is an optometrist for Optivision, a locally owned and operated eye care center. She received her Doctor of Optometry degree two years ago and has been employed by Optivision for the past 18 months. The following day, Al gets home from work 
he stops on the porch and takes off his work boots. He walks into the kitchen and over to the sink to wash his hands. Then he goes into the fridge and grabs a cold bottle of Michelob Ultra and turns it up. He looks into the food cabinet and gets a bag of nacho cheese Doritos. Then he walks into the living room and plops down in his recliner. He reaches for the remote and turns on the television. The five o'clock news is on. So while he eats chips and drinks beer, he's watching for today's lottery numbers to show up on the screen. Once he sees the numbers, he checks them against the tickets he bought. Not a winner today, he says to himself. So he balls up the tickets and throws them in the waste basket next to the fireplace. Leaving the chips but taking the beer, he heads towards the bathroom. He stops mid-walk, reaches into one of his pockets, and takes out, of his, takes out his cell phone. Then he reaches into another pocket and takes out his wallet. He opens his wallet and takes out a piece of paper with Veronica's phone number on it and enters it into the phone. Hello, may I speak with Veronica, said Albert. This is Veronica, she says. This, this is Albert. How are you today? I'm fine, said Veronica. I'm actually glad you called, she said. Why is that, he asked. Do you bowl, she asked. It's been a while, but yes, I can bowl, he said. You see, I'm a member of a mixed bowling league, and one of one of our guys on the team accidentally dropped his his bowling ball on his big toe and fractured it. So we need another man to replace him or we'll have to drop out of the tournament. Will you help me? I mean, help us? When and where, he asks. Saturday night at 10 pins bowling, she said. Warm-ups start at 8 p.m. The tournaments start at 9. I believe I can accommodate you, he says. Great, she says. Now that we've got that out of the way, how was your day, she asks. They chat for about 10 minutes. Then Veronica says, Doggone it, I'm making biscuits and I'm out of shortening. I've got to make a quick run to the store. Can you call me back later? Sure, no problem, said Albert. Okay, I'll talk to you then, she said. Saturday evening around 8.10 p.m., Albert walks into the bowling alley carrying his own bowling ball. He scans the crowd of bowlers looking for Veronica. She sees him and waves. He walks down to where she and the rest of the team are. Just before he steps down into the pit, she walks up and takes him by his hand. She says, everybody say hello to Albert. They say hello and greet him by shaking his hand and saying their first name. After the introduction, Al takes out his bowling ball and places it, places it on the ball return rack. Then, then they huddle together to decide the bowling order. May will go first, followed by Eric. Veronica and then Al will bowl cleanup. When the warm-ups are over, an announcer on the public address system says, Let the tournament begin. The competing teams play three games, and the winner is decided by 
the total pinfall. As the third game winds down, Veronica's team is down by 11 pins. It is up to Al to win it, lose it, or tie it. Al has bowled well all night. As he prepares to address the lane, he breathes in deeply and exhales slowly. Then he says to himself, focus. When he delivers the ball, it crashes into the pins, but leaves a 7-10 split. The team moans. He has to pick up despair for, for the team to win. As he waits for his ball to return, the team yells encouragement. Come on, Al, you can do it. He picks up his ball and picks, up, picks out a spot on the floor. Again, he addresses the lane and releases the ball. He does it. He picks up the spare. The team immediately starts to celebrate. As Al walks back toward them, Veronica jumps on him and wraps her legs around him. The rest of the team pats him on the back and says, That a boy, Al, way to go. Then the sponsors of the tournament walk over to the team and hand them, hand them a huge trophy. There are big smiles all around as the team raises the trophy victoriously. From that night on, Al and Veronica dated regularly. As they grew closer, they would share intimate evenings together. On one of those evenings, when they were at his house, he prepared one of his favorite meals, spaghetti and meatballs. Veronica was seated at the table while he was at the stove scooping up the spaghetti and putting it on their plates. Al walks over to the table and places her meal in front of her. Then he sits down with his meal. He pulled a tray of warm croissants closer to them. He picks up two of them and sits, it on, sits them on his plate. Veronica has already begun eating. After eating the first forkful, she, she tells Al, this is really good. Albert smiles winsomely as he watches her. At one point, as Veronica twirls her fork around in the spaghetti, she catches something solid on her fork. When she lifts it up to see what it is, she sees a small round object hanging from the end of her fork. She removes it and looks over at Al and says, What is this? He just smiles and hunches his shoulders. Then she takes the object over to the sink where she rinses it off. To her joy and surprise, it's an engagement ring. She slips it on her ring finger and says, Yes, yes, yes. Al stands up and laughs. Veronica wraps her arms around his neck and kisses him passionately. Three months later, they become husband and wife. All marriages have their ups and downs, their trials and their triumphs. It has been said that if a marriage can make it through the seven to ten, the seven to ten year range, it's a good chance it will it will go the distance. Albert and Veronica's marriage was no different. One morning. When Al arrives at work, Jake Durden comes up to him and says, We've got a new crew member starting today. 
Her name is Taylor Sims. They tell me that she's a hard worker. I'll introduce her to the rest of the crew when we get out on the yard. When the crew loads up to go out in the field, Jake tells Taylor to ride with Al. As they ride along, there's hardly any dialogue between Al and Taylor. Al notices that she's wearing a wedding band. When they get on site, Taylor climbs out and gets right to work. Her first day goes well. She holds her own alongside the crew. Al is mildly impressed. Each day they go out, she rides with Al. As they get used to one another, Taylor opens up and talks more on their rides to and from the field. One morning when she climbs into the cab, Al notices that Taylor is unusually quiet. On the way out to the field, he asks, how is she doing today? Taylor turns toward the window. Al hears her sniffling. He asks, What's the matter, Taylor? She tells him that her husband just sits around the house and drinks since he got laid off. That that she has to do everything and that she's just tired of his shit. Then she says that they haven't had sex for weeks. And I like having sex, she said. That statement caught Al off guard. He tried to respond sympathetically by saying, it's going to be all right. One Friday, the crew decides to get together after work for pizza and drinks. They meet up at Hank's Bar and Grill. They shoot pool, eat pizza, and drink beer. When they get ready to leave, Taylor's truck won't start. When she checks, she figures out that her alternator has stopped working. She asks Al to give her a, a ride to the auto parts store. When they get there, the auto parts salesman tells her that they don't have the alternator she needs in stock, but they can have it sent over tomorrow from their warehouse. She says, okay, that'll work. Then she turns toward Al and asks, can you give me a ride home? Not a problem, said, not a problem, said Al. On the ride to her house, Al asks, Do you have a way to get around tomorrow? No, not really, said Taylor. If you like, I can come over and take you to the auto parts store and back to your truck, said Al. Man, I would really appreciate that. Thank you. Not a problem, said Al. Saturday morning after eating breakfast, Al tells Veronica that a crew member's truck broke down and that he's going to take them to pick up the part for the truck and take them back to the truck. Veronica said, okay, and handed him a, handed him a grocery list. He chuckles and says, why didn't I know this was coming? Veronica smiles and says, you should know how this works by now. When Al drives up to Taylor's house, she's standing next to the mailbox. Al asks her, well, where's your husband? Oh, he's on the couch sleeping off a drunk. He won't miss me, said Taylor. Okay, then. Let's go, said Al. When they get to the auto port store, the salesman has 
the alternator sitting on the counter. He tolls it up and, pay, and Taylor pays for it. Then, on the ride to her truck, Taylor unashamedly admits how much she misses having sex and how aggressive she is in bed. All of a sudden, all sorts of nasty and naughty sexual images begin to flood Albert's mind. Then Taylor tells him about a highway motel that her younger brother and his girlfriend goes to. She tells him that it's on the way back to her truck and that she'll even pay for the room. Albert can't stand it anymore, so he asks her to show him how to get to the motel. When they get there, when they get there, Al pulls into the parking lot. The way the motel is designed, no one can see your parked vehicle just by passing by. Taylor jumps out and goes to the registration window. She pays for two hours and gets the room key. Then she walks to the door and opens it. She beckons Al to come on. He gets out and follows her into the room. For the next hour and a half, she wears him out. She does things to him that you can only see in adult movies. Later, when they get to her truck and he's helping her install the alternator, Al tells her that no one can find out what they just did. We have to keep acting the same way it worked, said Albert. Taylor agrees. When they finish installing the alternator, they shake hands. Then Al leaves and goes to the supermarket to pick up the items on the grocery list that Veronica gave him. When he got home, Veronica asked, What took you so long? Albert replied, We had to wait on the part to arrive from the warehouse before we could drive to the vehicle. Okay, well, we're going to have to order pizza or something because it's too late for me to start cooking, said Veronica. Pizza would be just fine, said Al. You want it the same way you always get it, he asked. No, tell him to put black olives on half this time, she said. Will do. I'll be back in a little while, he said. Over the next few months, Veronica began to notice how Albert was not has not been wanting to have sex with her as much as he had been. He also has been coming in an hour or so later from work on some days. From time to time, she would ask, ask him why he was running late. He would always give her a reasonable excuse, so she didn't think much of it at the time. Then one Friday evening, she prepared a romantic dinner as a form of foreplay hoping it would lead to some overdue lovemaking. But Albert didn't come home at his usual time. Actually, he came home two hours late. When he walked into the house, Veronica was at the kitchen table wearing a hot pink teddy and a white nylon nightgown. He said, Honey, sorry I'm late. She held up her hand and said, Save it. I don't know what you're doing, but it ends tonight. Then she got up and walked into the bedroom and closed the door behind her. Albert knew from experience to give her her space. She hardly spoke to him that entire weekend.
Albert knew from the way Veronica reacted to him coming home late that Friday that he should end things with Taylor. When he went to work on Monday, he had every intention of telling her that it was over. But on the ride out to the work site, his vehicle got separated from the vehicles that the rest of the crew was in because of an accident that took place a few vehicles up in front of his truck. Traffic came to a standstill. Then, before he could say anything, Taylor leaned over and performed fellatio on him. When she had finished, she looked into his eyes and said, There's more where that came from. Albert wanted to end it, but he was under her sexual spell. Unbeknownst, unbeknownst to Albert, Veronica has a co-worker whose husband is a private investigator. She paid him $100 to follow her husband. He reported to her when and where Albert had been hooking up with a woman from his job. This hurt Veronica to her core. That evening, she started to confront him and tell him all that she had found out. But when Albert walked in the house carrying a dozen red roses, her favorite chocolates, and a pair of pearl earrings, she knew that he loved her and that his affair with this woman was just a sexual thing. But she also knew that she had to do something drastic to make him end it. So the next day, she phoned her girlfriend Shirley and asked to meet her for lunch. When they met, Veronica told her about her husband's extracurricular activities. Then she asked if she'd mind helping her with a scheme. That piqued Shirley's interest, so she agreed. Veronica explained that it would involve allowing her husband, Raylan, to take her to the motel where Albert and this woman hooked up. Shirley began to grin in anticipation. Two days later on a Wednesday evening, Albert and Taylor drove into the motel for their two-hour romp. The private investigator phoned Veronica to let him know they were there. Then, Veronica, Shirley, and Raylan drove to the motel. Shirley laid down on the back seat covered with a blanket. The private investigator kept a lookout for when Albert and Taylor were about to leave. When he signaled, they drove in just as Albert was returning the key to the registration window. Raylan drove up and got out at the registration window. He purposely left the door open so the interior lights would stay on. This tall, handsome guy came and stood up right behind Albert. When Albert turned from the registration window, he glanced into Raylan's vehicle. To his shock and surprise, sitting in the passenger seat was his wife, Veronica. Conundrum, a series of short stories written by John Lanyap, will return next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Thank you for listening.